morning. This is Northern Light for Friday, February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. A Canton mom is lobbying in Washington, D.C. to force tech companies to better protect teenagers from predation and addiction on social media. I've settled myself that the CEOs don't care, and I am just furious at the lawmakers and how they pretend to care. Both Democratic and Republican lawmakers are criticizing Governor Hochul for her proposal to reduce aid to schools. I think a lot of districts were were caught off guard, right, in knowing that we're going through that process of the uh, federal financial cliff and then having this also happen. John Warren checks trail conditions for us in the Adirondacks this weekend, and we'll preview the upcoming exhibit at The Strand in Plattsburgh, featuring the work of seven black artists. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by the Depot Theater in Westport, inviting all to take a journey without leaving the station. Learn more at depotheater.org. And Seacom Credit Union, serving the financial needs of people throughout northern New York and northwestern Vermont in person, online at seacom.org and on your smartphone. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. Wednesday in Washington, D.C., parents who lost their children to suicide filled the Senate Judiciary Committee gallery. They held up photos of their dead kids who were exploited on social media. Mary Rohde of Canton was one of those parents. Totally silent. No one saying anything. So much camera and media press all over the place. Kind of chilling makes you feel like, okay, maybe people really do care. Maybe this really will work. Rhodey's 15-year-old son, Riley, died in 2021. He was sexually exploited on Facebook Messenger. At a hearing, senators of both parties grilled tech executives, including Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, about the dangers of social media. The senators said the tech company's platforms aren't catching sexual predation and bullying, and their addictive features are causing suicide, eating disorders, and other mental health issues in teenagers and children. Rhodey spoke with David Summerstein yesterday morning as she was walking to Capitol Hill to lobby lawmakers for legislation to protect children. We got to submit testimony and questions. I mean, what my point is, is that there is a design flaw in these social media systems and they have unchecked empires and they say things like we're using, we put $2 billion into protecting people online last year. That's a tiny little percentage of what they make. So acknowledgement that this is a design flaw, that they're not going to hold themselves in check and we really need the lawmakers to do it. Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, according to reports, you know, stood up and said to turn to the parents and said, I'm paraphrasing here the equivalent. Of, I, f- I feel terrible for you. Um, how did that make you feel? 
Oh, so disgusted. Sickening. Everything he said just makes me sick. If he, he knows about Riley. If he really wanted to apologize to me, he could return any of the correspondence I've sent to him over the last three years. What did you think the lawmakers heard from you all? We've met with so many of the people on that Judiciary Committee, but really the truth is, it's a show for them. It's a circus. For them to ask their questions about communism and whatever their agenda is, I've settled myself that the CEOs don't care, and I am just furious at the lawmakers and how they pretend to care. What do you think is going to come of this? I mean, I'm really trying to be hopeful because so many of these moms have been doing this so much longer than me. I have to stay hopeful. They have been boots on the ground in here, here in D.C., some of them, for 10 years. I hope, but when they joke about how they can't do, they can't get along, when there are 49 bipartisan supporters of this and neither one is my senator i don't know i don't know what can come of it because they continue to just talk how uh how have you been doing i'm doing okay i mean it's good to have like some spirit and mission it's hard to not get defeated i get a lot of i'm so proud of you and i want that to turn over in my friends and family and the people in the NOCO that they call Schumer, that they call Gillibrand, that they don't stop, that they say Riley matters and that this has to stop and we can't let this keep happening. You know, so I'm okay. I appreciate all the support. I love how it's out there, but I feel like I'm groveling to these people who my high school social studies teacher told me really cared about the average American. Mary Rohde is a teacher in Canton. Her son Riley died in 2021 after being sexually exploited on Facebook. She spoke with David Summerstein. listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's seven minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, we'll take a look at the self-portraits of Plattsburgh artist Winosha Steele. It's part of an upcoming exhibit at the Strand Center for the Arts in Plattsburgh. That conversation in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music by the Adirondack Harper, Martha Gallagher.
Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, making grants to nonprofits that address community issues of child care, attainable housing, career pathways, basic needs, and more. Adirondackfoundation.org. And the Austable River Association, monitoring Adirondack waterways to understand the long-term effects of climate change. Learn more at AusableRiver.org. At a budget hearing yesterday, opposition to Governor Kathy Hochul's school aid reductions united Democrats and Republicans. Lawmakers called the cuts devastating and said the changes will mean millions of dollars in losses to nearly half of the school districts around the state. Karen DeWitt reports. Thank you very much, Chair, and thank you, Commissioner Rosa and your staff. Lawmakers, including Democratic Senate Education Chair Shelley Mayer, questioned State Education Commissioner Betty Rosa about the impact of Hochul's budget. It would result in 337 out of around 700 school districts receiving millions of dollars less in aid in the 2024-2025 school year. In New York, the state education commissioner does not work directly for the governor, but instead answers to the state board of regents. That's chosen by the legislature. Rosa told Mayer that she, as well as the state school districts, were taken by surprise by some of the governor's proposals, including a plan to eliminate what's known as hold harmless. That policy has guaranteed that no school district receives less money than it did in the previous year. Rosa says it comes at a time when schools are already grappling with the end of millions of dollars in supplemental federal funding awarded during the pandemic. I think a lot of districts were were caught off guard, right, in knowing that we're going through that process of the uh, federal financial cliff and then having this also happen. It's really, in many ways, um, this has really created um, the kinds of distress for districts. Assemblyman Doug Smith, a Republican who represents portions of Long Island, says school districts that he represents face millions of dollars in cuts under the governor's plan to end Hold Harmless. This is devastating. You know, you're talking about hundreds of teachers potentially being laid off at a time where learning loss is a major issue and at a time where we're trying to expand programs, teach students uh, to uh, how to read properly. Rosa told lawmakers that the Education Department has been breaking down the data in Hochul's budget. She agrees that programs that were started to mitigate the effects of the pandemic, like those addressing mental health, as well as teaching jobs, would be affected if the reductions remain. Hochul also wants to change the way the rate of inflation is calculated when allocating what's known as foundation aid for schools. Instead of relying on the consumer price index, she wants to average the inflation rate for a 10-year period, then disregard the lowest and highest numbers to come to an average rate. In her budget proposal, that translates to a 2.4% increase instead of one that's based on the current rate of inflation, which is 3.8%. Senator John Liu, a Democrat, asked Rosa whether that change makes any sense. Is there any logic to changing from a one-year basis to a 10-year basis? Rosa answered that she does not think it makes sense. I think that's a fair statement. Meanwhile, Governor Hochul is doubling down on the proposed changes. Hochul says it's inaccurate to call the changes cuts. She says the funding is lower because she ramped up school aid by $7 billion over the past two years to comply with a court order, and schools cannot expect that every year.
She says changing the school aid distribution formula and ending the halt harmless provision is simply common sense in the wake of declining enrollment in schools. 75% of schools are not getting the same funding they got last year under this hold harmless concept, which we really need to talk about that intensely, about the, uh, the logic behind having formulas that are based on a run of what population was in 2008, as if there's been no out-migration, there's been no shifting, there's not schools that have more need that the money should be allocated for. The governor says she believes if she tells the truth to New Yorkers, they will understand and support her plan. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. There's a group of harmful chemicals that's common in consumer goods and manufacturing. They're known as PFAS, and high exposure to them can cause serious health problems. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand wants to make it easier for victims to sue manufacturers, and yesterday she announced a bill called the PFAS Accountability Act. Lucy Grinton reports. Almost every American has some amount of PFAS chemicals in their body. They're often found in consumer products like nonstick pans, microwave popcorn bags, and house paints. They're also used in manufacturing and firefighting foam sprays. They can leach into water systems, contaminating what comes out of people's faucets. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand says that's a real concern. This can put their health at risk as PFAS chemicals are associated with many illnesses like cancer, liver and immune system problems, and developmental abnormalities in kids. High levels of PFAS contamination are common near military bases and in areas where there's been lots of firefighting. In 2020, the Adirondack Explorer reported high PFAS levels due to firefighting spray at the Adirondack Regional Airport and a nearby mobile home park. The state DEC has designated the airport as a hazardous waste site. And a 2022 assessment at the Fort Drum Army Base near Watertown showed that some areas of the base have PFAS levels that are higher than the standard set by the Secretary of Defense's office. Under Gillibrand's bill, there'd be a specific rule that would allow people to sue for significant PFAS exposure. The standard is an individual would be considered significantly exposed if they demonstrate that they were present in an area where PFAS was released for at least one year or they get their blood testing done that demonstrates PFAS exposure. The rule would also make it easier for judges to award periodic medical monitoring to victims to screen them for PFAS-related diseases. Gillibrand encouraged New Yorkers to get their blood tested for PFAS if there are allegations of contamination in their area, or to have their well water tested. Public water systems are tested for PFAS on a regular basis. Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio. The body of a young man from Canton who went missing three weeks ago was found by county sheriffs yesterday. The St. Lawrence County Sheriff's Office said... Uh, Abiu Velasquez was discovered off of County Route 27 near Sykes Road, according to the Watertown Daily Times. Velasquez was 24 years old. Multiple agencies were involved in the weeks-long search, including the Canton Police Department, State Police, and the Canton and Parishville Fire Departments. The Sheriff's Office didn't disclose any more details about Velasquez's death and disappearance, and the investigation is still ongoing. 
And a manufacturing company that plans to open a liquid hydrogen facility in Messina is starting a scholarship fund for local students. The company Air Products announced yesterday that it's granting $25,000 to the Northern New York Community Foundation to set up the scholarship. Recipients will get up to $5,000 each to pay for college or university tuition or for vocational, technical, or trade programs. Any student living in Franklin or St. Lawrence County counties are um, eligible to apply. Priority will be given to those pursuing STEM or a skilled trade and those interested in clean energy and environmental conservation. An air product spokesperson said the company wants to support the growth of Messina's highly skilled workforce. Scholarship applications are due April 1st. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, a profile of Winosha Steel, a multimedia artist based in Plattsburgh. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We'll meet the wandering tattlers that traverse the, sp- the Pacific. That's coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Cloudy skies today, uh, some light snow or rain showers, drizzle, highs this afternoon in the 30s. Uh, light winds out of the north, and then tonight, lows dipping into the teens, low 20s overnight. Tomorrow, partly sunny, highs around 30 on Saturday, light winds out of the north, and then Sunday, mostly sunny skies, highs again, uh, low 30s, looks like a mix of sun and clouds, and highs around 30 Monday and Tuesday of next week. So cloudy skies today. Uh, highs in the 30s. Right now we have clouds and 32 degrees in Canton. Here with uh, outdoor conditions and trail conditions for the Adirondacks for the weekend is John Warren. On Saturday, sunrise will be at about 7.12 and sunset at about 5.08. The forecast is offering pleasant days and even some sun this weekend and into next week, though not much by the way of new snow. Across the region, conditions remain icy with mostly thin snow cover on trails, at least up to about 2,000 feet, where snow is considerably deeper. Carry traction devices and snowshoes this weekend. There remains about 8 to 10 inches of snow at most lower elevation locations in the Adirondacks. There is about 10 to 12 inches at Tupper Lake, the base of Whiteface, Indian Lake, North Hudson, down to Warrensburg. Much of that is patchy in places, however. There is about two feet of snow at the Lake Colden Caretaker's Cabin. That's at about 2,800 feet in the high peaks. Above there, there is as much as four or five feet of snow in places. The ski trail and passes are skiable beyond Marcy Dam, but little other backcountry skiing can be recommended. Many waters remain open, and all are a bit above normal levels for this time of year. The warmer days we're encountering are going to keep ice conditions very hazardous. Be aware of thin ice this weekend. Cross-country skiers will all be operating, though they are all in need of new snow. Garnet Hill would be a good bet this weekend for best conditions. There should be some early spring conditions at downhill facilities. Whiteface and Gore will have plenty of terrain at all levels, though no glades or slides. Oak and Macaulay still have plenty of beginner and intermediate terrain. They're skiing the lower mountain at Titus, and Hickory Mountain in Warrensburg will be operating this weekend with the handle toe. 
Snowmobile trails are in very marginal conditions if they are open with icy areas and water holes. Snowmobiling cannot be recommended this weekend, and it could be over for the season soon. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. It's a tradition. Before we get Phil out, we get him fired up by chanting, Phil, 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 Phil. That's right. The seasonal news is in from the furriest forecaster around in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Atmosphere is a wonderful thing. And we can create our own and the weather it brings. It brings hope for the future and so much more. Maybe some Punxsutawney Phil write-in votes in 2024. But what this weather did not provide is a shadow or reason to hide. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is on the way. You heard that right. Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow this morning. So unfortunately, he confirmed an early spring, but... All hope is not lost here in the North Country. There is a caveat. The National Weather Service says Phil is only accurate about 40% of the time in the last 10 years. So there is still hope for us North Country folks to get a little bit of snow coming up. It's coming up on 822. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio on this Groundhog Day. An upcoming exhibit at the Strand Center in Plattsburgh showcases the work of seven black artists, including a handful from the North Country. It's called Eloquent Visions, honoring the rich tapestry of black history. Monica Sandreski brings us a profile of one of the youngest participants. As a warning, this story does mention threats against black people. Winosha Steele had never really encountered racism before moving to the U.S. She says it's still confusing to her. Steele is a mixed-media artist who grew up on the Caribbean island of Antigua and recently earned her BFA at SUNY Plattsburgh. I was one of the only black people in the art department, only black woman in the art department. That was a BFA. Steele says she encountered racism on campus. One time, a fellow student sent around a Snapchat that talked about lynching. The Snapchat wasn't specifically aimed at her, but Steele says she felt singled out. I still am not sure how to react when racism is in my face. It is... It, I won't say that it's new, it's just unfamiliar still. She knew she wanted to respond and share her perspective, particularly during the Black Lives Matter movement. She created a series called Educate Yourself that features photographs of her that she manipulated in Photoshop. Each photo includes text that almost reads like a textbook. It goes through political moments in Black U.S. history, from the Three-Fifths Compromise to lynching and Jim Crow. It was definitely something that I look back at and question if there was more that I could have done. But like I said, I'm not familiar, so, and I don't feel like I am the, the best person to do it. But when 
when I can advocate, I do advocate. After graduating, depression put Steele's art making at a standstill for more than half a year. When she knew this exhibit was coming up at the Strand, she wanted to push herself to produce more self-portraits. She hopes they help viewers cope with their mental health, too. I took the opportunity to really just put myself out there, and I figured that... I, it's, and I feel like the most... <laughs> the strangest thing for me about putting myself out there is um, connecting with my parents. The opening of Eloquent Visions is the first time her mom is flying in from Antigua for one of her exhibits. Steele says she's always thinking about the conversation her self-portraits are having with the viewer. Now she's thinking about what it will mean to her parents. They love my art and they um, they really motivate me to do what I want and what I believe in. But they don't really know this side of me that they're seeing through my art. One of the pieces in the show is a multimedia self-portrait called Accepting the Things That Are True, Accepting the Things That Are You. It features a pastel picture of herself with eyes closed and her hand around her neck. The image is cut apart and attached to a black matte board. Fake butterflies glued on top give it three dimensions. The background is printed with a stream of consciousness. One side reads, trauma is not the end. The other says, fragile, impulsive, insatiable. So fragile is how I feel. Impulsive is a part of my personality. And insatiable is sometimes how I feel others find me. In the middle section of the drawing, it says, understanding the nature of being a black woman, disturbingly scary, tough and heartbreaking. The testosterone in those who choose not to comprehend. Flourishing through the pain and corruption caused of humankind. Accepting the things that are true, but never stop saying, I love me. I love beautiful me. I do. I do. Steele says her mom wants her to be more guarded, but she sees herself as radical, sharing about her mental health in such a public way. So whenever I put something like that, there it is unraveling something new with her daughter that but it i like it it's fun because it's this it's this conversation that sometimes i feel like i can't have with them that i am having with them so it it's it's a beautiful thing really um having that conversation with them through my art they're proud regardless As her depression is lifting, she says her art is evolving. In her latest piece, she cut up the green and red fabric from Antigua's national dress and painted over top of it. She wants her emerging work to celebrate her people. Eloquent Visions opens February 9th at the Strand Center for the Arts in Plattsburgh. Monica Sandresky, North Country Public Radio. The exhibit also features work from Joelle Tineo, William Ransom, Thomas Gerard Green, Elizabeth Marks, Dana Wolf, and Takis Walter. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Monica Sandreski here with Todd Moe. Just a couple minutes left in the show, but we want to remind you about a few events going on throughout the community, including tonight. It is opening night for the new exhibit at the Adirondack Artist Guild Gallery called Infrared Adirondacks. They're photographs by Phil Gallos. You can find out more at their website, adirondackartistguild.com. 
Also stop by the gallery at Lake St. Lawrence Arts on Main Street in Waddington. Check out some work by Stephen Cobb. Uh, it continues all this month, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 11 to 3. And uh, next week we'll hear from Stephen Cobb about his work, especially the uh, his monochromatic pieces on old barns in the North Country. We'll hear more about his uh, life, as a cur- his career as an artist. That's coming up next week. And uh, Rites of Passage. Bruno Laverdier uh, continues at uh, the Visual Arts Gallery at SUNY Adirondack in Queensbury. Longtime adjunct professor who died in 2022. The uh, the uh, college has an exhibit of his works uh, that traces his career from the 50s through uh, just a few years ago. It's uh, up this month, actually through April, uh, in Queensbury at SUNY Adirondack. And also don't forget to uh, check out the latest um, the latest uh, installment from the station, the Experimental Art Space based in the Adirondacks. Uh, coming up tonight at 8 o'clock at Grizzle Tees in Saranac Lake, it'll be an immersive experience with projection art and electronic music called Electro. I say come play with large-scale video projection tools and get lost in a world of sound. You can find out more at station80k.com. And while you're in Saranac Lake, don't forget to head over to the first night of the Saranac Lake Winter Carnival. The concert series from the Waterhole features 14 bands with genre-spanning performances, including soul, funk, folk, bluegrass, and a tribute to the tragically hip for tickets and a full list of performers, visit ncpr.org slash calendar or, of course, track down the waterhole. That's it for Northern Light on this Friday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Be well.